0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host today, joined by Chris Beasley, Paul Wheeler and Gat Buckland to look back on everything disappointing 2-0 Premier League defeat to Tottenham Hotspur the weekend and of course look ahead to Wednesday's huge game against Newcastle United St James's Park. Saturday's game, unfortunately, followed a familiar theme for Everton so far this season, in which chances weren't taken and mistakes were punished. Bees, I'll start with you because you was at the London Stadium for the Echo on Saturday evening. It was a case of that, wasn't it? It was a familiar theme for the Blues. Chances not taken when it mattered most and mistakes punished.
0: Yeah, very frustrating in that in many ways it was was shaping up for a long time to look like quite a classic um, away performance against very talented opposition, we all know. Tottenham Hotspur Champions League side, they're up there again this season, the top end of the table. But for almost an hour, um, Everton contained them. Um, it was you know, it was more backs against the wall, it was mostly Tottenham going forward and Everton having to defend resolutely. But for all of that, as you say, Everton had carved open, um, Tottenham Hotspur twice and created the two by far the two best opportunities, goal scoring opportunities in the first half. Um, the Grey missed his and then. I'm going to do an honour on, on the counter-attack and the frustrating thing was neither of them were on target. At least, you know, make the keeper work for it. And if, if just one of those had gone in, you know, that would have been, you know, Everton with their tails up and something to build on. And and in the second half, I suppose we're obviously going to come to the crucial penalty incident further on. But yeah, the, the fact that Everton hadn't taken those two clear-cut opportunities was really frustrating. And like you say, I'd have to see with the, the mistakes that, that followed that. And for as much as it was um, day and night compared to, I mean, I was fortunate or unfortunate enough to have been there. there. Um, last season when it was 5-0 and you know, within that same time period, less than an hour, top number 5-0 up and declared. And um, what was, you know, a, a watershed moment for Frank Lampard that we spoke of in ahead of this game. And, you know, he decided, you know, he couldn't play his way out of trouble. So, yeah, while it was night and day compared to that, it was really frustrating because the fact that Everton went there and much... More resolute outfit, a much improved outfit, but ultimately came back with the same rewards,
1: i.e., nothing. Gav B's used the word frustrating, and I think that was the main feeling, wasn't it? From fans on Saturday night, it was it was a frustrating outing for the Blues because you know they they didn't take the chances and they got punished for mistakes, which you know like we've we've said before, it's been a familiar theme so far this season.
2: Yeah, I mean, frustrating for me in terms of like our lack of imagination, I think. Uh, to be honest with you, both when we were in the first half and in, in the second half, when we were behind, um, we didn't have a did we have a shot on target in the entire game? Very yeah, few touches yeah. in the opposition box. That that was the frustrating thing. And at some point, you know, you can only hold out for so long. And you, you, if for somebody with Spurs' ability and we know what the the their attacking potential is, at some point they're probably going to score, aren't they? Um, and the frustrating thing for me from Saturday, which I, I do get that the chances thing in the half-time, it was, it was, you know, we'd done well in, in, in containment. But the frustrating thing was that when we went 1-0 behind, we didn't appear to have a plan B. You know, we just carried on playing the way we had done and we made a few substitutions. But not to have it... I mean, you're doing well for the game of Premier League football to go 45 minutes without having an attempt on goal. Like we did on uh, on Saturday in the second half, and and that was that was the frustrating thing for me. In addition to yeah, in addition to what Chris is saying there, uh, that I mean, I, I think is it the last five goals we've conceded as four of being and someone's been a deflection.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. haven't given Can see the goal of season after where you generally go. That was a great goal. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Goal. And, and <laughs> that's actually in some respects that's good to hear, isn't it? You know, that, <laughs> that that a positive. Um, but the frustrating, the, the frustrating thing was, you go goal behind and you're thinking, you know, we need to change things around a bit, show a bit more imagination and a bit more positivity. But we just carried on playing in the same way. And some, of, some respects, we got worse, didn't we, as the game went on? And that was, that was the frustrating thing. Having said that, no ever manager's beaten Spurs in, in in front of a crowd since Moyes, so. Let's face it, it wasn't an unexpected result, was it? You know, not our season is not going to be defined by a, a 2 0 defeat at Spurs, is it? It's going to be defined in some respects. I'm going to talk about this at some point, obviously, between the games, between now and the, the World Cup. They're, they're all big games, aren't they, for us?
1: You what, know, was, what, yeah. what was the most disappointing aspect of the game for you on Sasdick? Obviously, we've were to touch on there in terms of the mistakes, you know, lack of imagination. What was the most disappointing aspect for you on Saturday? Was, was you alarmed by anything?
3: Nope, not alarmed because it didn't really come as a surprise. You know, I think we spoke about the lack of creativity a number of times in recent weeks. It was just, it felt from the moment Kane put the penalty away that we weren't getting back into it. I don't think that the team were resigned to losing there, but it, it, it just even the United game up until those final four or five minutes, he didn't feel like a goal was coming, and it might have a lot to do with the standard of the opposition. But I just felt there was a certain inevitab- inevitability about it, really. And it's it, it, it's it's tough because, as Gav rightly says, you know we've rightly praised the defensive solidity that we've shown throughout this season. But you know, being honest, a lot of the time it was Pickford saving us, wasn't it? I think we haven't conceded many goals, but we're grateful to some heroics from the keeper. And at some point, you know your keeper's going to make a mistake like he did on Saturday, uh, so you can't you can't rely solely on that. And I can understand why Frank Lampard tried to, you know, cling to the positive afterwards because I suppose the game plan was working up until that penalty, up until uh, Pickford's mistake. But at some at some stage, and it's very hard. Tottenham are a really good team, got better, a lot better options than others going forward. At some stage, we're going to have to. Just be a bit more braver, I think, and, and, and be a bit more clever in terms of opening up, trying to open teams up. But uh, as we've said many times, this is it's going to be slow progress, this one. So it's not a, a result to, to get an alarm by or a performance to get an alarm by, but it was just another bit of a reminder for me just how, how much work there's still got to be done.
1: Please, we've got to come to because it was the main talk and from the game, What the award of the penalty that, that Tottenham got. Just in 10, 15 minutes into the yeah. second half, obviously Harry Kane goes down under Jordan Pickford's challenge. Seems to divide opinion. Yeah. I think we can safely to say between yeah. you know supporters online and kind of in the ground. What was your thoughts? Do you think it was a penalty? It was surprised surprise VAR yeah. didn't overrule it? Yeah,
0: it was okay. It was a great area. It obviously was. Um, I mean, there's, there's the sort of arguments both ways, and then I understand Jordan Pickford put <laughs> himself into trouble, obviously with the initial spilling of the ball, and then the fact. Uh, uh, now he the way he went, he went and then Kane he, allow, he allowed Harry Kane to manipulate the situation. and I think Harry Kane was going down whether Jordan was touching him or not. And uh, yeah, he was anticipating contact and yeah, he, he, was, he was ready to, to, to go down and then what, what whatever happened and that made uh, the referee have a decision to make. I was just surprised he didn't at least get a, a second look on VAR because I think it was a gray area which could have gone either way so just to say obviously they review all decisions VAR but the fact that they didn't have the referee Paul Tierney going over and looking on the screen I thought it was at least worth a certain look um but yeah again Everton have sort of played them way into trouble but the problem is that do we just accept those now do we like, you like no like okay it wasn't a blatant like Rodri's handball we say yeah that you know it's an obvious penalty it could go everywhere I just thought it was, it was a grey enough area to at least deserve a second look and it just seems almost typical that, OK, now we're happy with that and we'll go with that decision. I could see arguments in both ways, but I felt it, it was ambiguous enough for at least to, for the referee to go and have a look on the monitor, so I was surprised it didn't happen. I was surprised it didn't happen, but then I wasn't surprised because certain inevitability about it whether Everton not getting those decisions.
1: Gav, was you surprised that I think the referee didn't go and have a look at the monitor and, and review the incident or you just think Possibly.
2: it was... Possibly. A... The, the, the reason being, I believe, I think, did Joe say about this during the game that there was no evidence that there was a clear and obvious error. Yeah, they involved. didn't believe it was,
1: it was basically the wrong call, the totally wrong call that had been made.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's Let's face it, that, that's selective, Yeah, isn't it, really? <laughs> you know, I can't, I, I can't remember that happening too many times in VAR, to be honest with you, over... You know over the past year or so i mean having said that i'm gonna say it was a penalty for me i've not got a problem with it i think that it depends what angle if you're looking at the angle where pick pickford and kane are looking at the camera then you're thinking oh well, how taking a bit of a dive there but if you look at look at behind you know but there's a there's a case like cody clips kane's boots isn't it for the start? and jordan quite clearly his arm and his head both goes into kane's legs okay kane sort of Makes a meal of it, but it's clear contact there, you know. And Kane goes to Granada. I, I don't. I, I get. I get. You, we all have our prejudices and so sort to of be all say, oh, we never got that penalty last year against Spurs at Charlson, and so therefore that's not a of penalty. But as an isolated incident, if you're asking me on Saturday, but that was a penalty, it's clear penalty. I mean Pickford, Pickford, it's clear contact with Pickford and Kane. Absolutely. And Kane goes down penalty. I've not got a problem with that. I mean, the fact that Jordan really didn't kick up a fuss, or indeed did many other Everton players nearby, like Cody was standing right behind it, you know, indicates to me that they they knew what had gone on. So I've not got a problem. I, I do. I don't think even if gone to VAR, it would have been overturned anyway. To be honest with you, if you see the camera angle from behind, quite clearly contact and and not just a slight brush having said that things are we in, in slow motion always things always look far worse than what they are in real time is that what looks like clear contact in slow motion is actually in that speed isn't but as I to me, well, a penalty. if it had been part this part way, part. if it had been an if that had been Carver Lewin or Mope got cleared up you know tackled by bodies, and we'd not got a penalty it would have been going mad
1: just just on what you said there don't go because you think this comes back to the argument of the way they slow things down, and then sometimes they watch the slow, super slow replay, and yeah. it looks different at normal time. I think that that comes back to that argument. and VAR should be looking at it in one speed and one speed only because
2: all this slowing down and well, super speed just yeah, 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 no, I get that for, overall. But the referee saw it in real time, they give a penalty, you know. So he's, he's seen enough contact there, uh, and. The officials have seen enough contact there to say it's a penalty, so i have not. i have not got a problem with it. I'm More concerned that it was error. you know, and he's made very few. But crucial stage in the game, isn't it? Was it nil got what, what was it? Sixty minutes, was it? Goal. Just under the hour mark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've gone an hour and it's goalless, and you get to an hour and it's goalless, and they're a bit fidgety, aren't they? And you're thinking, you know the. There's a chance here we could see this out or that actually that you know they could make another mistake and we can break at the time of it was was not ideal by jordan who, to be fair possibly it's not made a mistake leading to a goal since the five now at then he let Son's shot go underneath them at there last year you know it's largely as we know being in top form in that time but it was a bad mistake at the wrong time in the game wasn't it really and that was the disappointing thing for me—not the uh, the actual penalty decision itself, you know—and uh, that changed. I mean, going back to my initial point is—it going back when we talk about like disappointing things—is Evan at the moment, but a bit like you know that like that boxing thing. Everybody's got a plan when you walk into the ring until they get a punch in the face. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: we're a bit, we're a bit like that, aren't we? We've got a plan until the opposition score, and and that was, I think you know, and, and that, that changed it, didn't it really? Pickford's error. It changed the plans, didn't it? Unnecessarily so. They, as you said, of like, if they'd scored a, a world, he son had put one in from 30 yards or something, he said, okay, the fact it was Pickford's error made it even worse for me. Um, and that, that was, that was the disappointing part of that, that whole incident, not the, the, the penalty decision itself. We all that is the big thing,
1: isn't it? In many respects, because if Jordan Pickford, you know, saves the shots and, and keeps holds the ball like we expect him to, and I'm sure he expects himself to do, then we're not having this conversation about the penalty. You know, it's not, it's not doesn't doesn't come to light today, and that's again the most disappointing thing for Frank Lampard, isn't it? Is that one of his senior stars has made a mistake at the at the worst possible time.
3: Yeah, I think it's it's like the. the... I was like B you said earlier. I thought it might even be worth just a shout or a, you know a bit of advice to mm-hmm. maybe go check it out. But maybe that's influenced by our own bias thinking, or not even that. You know, Everton. I think it's fair to say, even without having the hats on, have been on the wrong end kind of some sort of shocking VAR decisions over the over the recent seasons. But yeah, you, you know, you've you you've got to think you forgive Pickford because certainly in the back end of the last season and as many games this season, he's been. The difference between you know a win and a West Ham draws, you know, he's been so important to us, but yeah, it, 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 it's, it, it's more concerning for me what happened not concerning, but it's more, it's just, it's more, I don't even know if worry is too strong a word, but it's just what happened after that, really. And it's, I think that's got that's it's, it's tough because Franks, you know, this is his first full season in the job. Obviously, it was a lot about balancing the books. I think he did brilliantly to. Get the amount of good players in that him and Kevin Ware fellwell did in the summer, given you know the resources and having to sell, with Charleston. but it's probably what maybe not certainly this week. Tottenham, Newcastle, and then United before them. But in time, we need to see an evolution, you know, in, in, in the in, in the style of the team. That you know there isn't just a plan A really. I don't, I don't think any of us are expecting us to go there and take the game to a, a team as good as Tottenham under Conte, but. We just need to see a little bit more, you know, in, in, in the coming months to come. It might be later this season, but uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the very, I, I say, I thought it might have been worth a call, but you know, I don't think that was the story of the game
1: for me. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: You ready?
2: Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy.
0: We're doing later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions.
1: Yes.
2: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy.
0: Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters, May 3rd. Read PG 13. Bees, obviously, you know, in terms of Evan's performance and you know, the lots of stuff on a
1: day, but. It is becoming increasingly clear is it that Evan have got attacking problems you know they yeah. they may be able to contain teams and, and defend and dig in deep but you know they think they've scored one more than once once this season in, in any game and it's it's a real problem and i think the big problem for frank lampard and, and probably his staff is the return of calvert Loon just doesn't solve that problem doesn't hold that issue
0: no um like you say yeah it's only at southampton and ironically um obviously less than opposition but it was only a fortnight ago we were saying And how they showed the change at Everton now, the fact that they can come back from 1-0, whereas last season that'd be game over, you know, they can come back and win these games. Obviously, it's different, Tottenham are much better. Um, Opponents, yeah, but it was the way the lads have said, how they reacted to that or didn't, in that it was okay containing them. Yes, they carved out these two clear-cut opportunities on the counter-attack at 0-0, not taking them. But when they were chasing the game at at 1-0, Calvert-Lewin came on and just weren't getting the service up to him, the same way Neil Mope has been um, feeding on scraps in recent weeks. He's had hardly anything to, to go off. Once you get that focal point on there, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, someone who's got a great aerial presence, the wingers need to change their games, and they need to be whipping the crosses into the box for Calvert-Lewin to attack. And, and, and like I said, there was, there was none of that. Um, it is concerning. Yes, Everton are a much more resolute defensive unit. Surely they're going to concede much fewer goals than last season, but you're just c- concerned where the goals are going to come from, especially if the likes you know gray has missed quite a few clear-cut opportunities now even anon as a chances hopefully once he gets one it'd be sooner rather than late he can maybe sort of have the the confidence to go on and have that sort of presence add that to his game because you know he's such a dominant figure in other areas but yeah that doesn't look to be we've discussed this on the podcast before it doesn't need to be seem to be a, a lot of um Goals in this side, which which is a concern, and is obviously one of the things Frank said about those attacking midfielders to get the the, the numbers up. Be that McNeil, Gray, or Anthony God when he comes back into the
1: side. Gavby's touched on the wingers there, but there's also an argument now. Someone over the weekend about this in that it's clear Everton now lacking a creative centre midfielder. You know, and a guy have had a real grit and steel to the to the midfield, but well, where will we be alongside them? There's not much creativity there, and there's not. So There's not a player who can put his foot on the ball and, and make things happen and retain possession and looks at get Everton in behind?
2: Yeah, this goes back to points have made twice in the last month on on the pod is that <laughs> of of a of a balanced midfield three. You need somebody who's going to protect the back four who can who can pass the ball. You need somebody who's maybe a little bit Spanish box to box, and then you need somebody who's a, who's a genuine you know attacking midfielder, say like an Arteta or something like that um and i'd argue at the moment the only one of those three roles that we're filling is probably onana is like a box-to-box player i suggested the other week that actually i think if you brought garner as in james garner as a as a, as a six who i think him pass the ball is a lot more effective in possession from what i've seen and garner guy I think that might resolve one of the issues, but that still leaves the attacking midfielder position open for grabs. Because for grabs because we, we we haven't got one. And I know people say well, I will be, yeah, it was his three assists and stuff. And, and Alex has played, you know, largely being very good this season, but he's like a, he's like a deep lying midfielder, isn't he? Really. Um, and I think I think on, we're, we're always going to struggle until we can get somebody in that that area of the pitch, who's got a little bit of guile, a bit, a little bit of imagination in and around the opposition box to open things up. And and that's hindering our, hindering our attack and output at the moment. You know, but it goes back to what I was saying before, but I can see why we are now because Frank's obviously said at the start of the season, I want not concede, I want a midfield that's going to be rigid and is going to be disciplined and is, is also going to stop the opposition playing to to a degree. So we can see why we are where we are. But the place we pay for that is at the other end of the pitch. We don't really offer that much. And um, that that's something that we need to develop, isn't it? Between now and the end of the season, might be something in January. But we do, but we do need something up there, don't we? Somebody with a little bit of imagination and, and flair in the final third, which we we just haven't got at the moment. And mates, where let's face it. Having said that, if our wide players were playing to four mm-hmm. and and doing what they have done for us in the past, we maybe wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if if Tamari Gray was playing now like he started last season, if Anthony Gordon was showing some of his best form like he did last season and McNeil had settled in, we'd be probably you probably be creating a lot more. So I think it's the midfield plus... The, the wide players are you know just not not doing it do are they really felt sorry for McNeil on Saturday because he got pilloried in some courses, but he was effectively and no, have on the match of the line up he was down as left back wasn't he yeah
1: yeah
2: you know so well, if, you
1: look, if you look at stats defensively he was outstanding
2: yeah yeah absolutely uh, like,
1: he's he, he nothing, which probably shows. Yeah,
2: yeah Leeds was the same wasn't it leads away so I mean I don't think you can say, oh, with the lack of and Trefford and McNeil was down to poor form. It was really where Frank wanted them to play. So, yeah, I'd I, I say the midfield have been going on about for five five weeks or six weeks. Uh, definitely needs strengthening at the back of the midfield and the front of midfield. And, but it would be helpful if our wide players uh, contribute a bit more. We might only be ten games into the season. You know, this don't
1: want to get too... Too negative, but do you always think there's an argument that Everton in general become a little bit too predictable? That people can now see what they're going to do a mile off, and and you know the, the, it's easy to defend against, and and ultimately you know if a team gets a goal, Everton perhaps, perhaps are going to struggle.
3: The first time I felt like that was United last week. It's the first time this season that I thought. Uh, sorry, it was last weekend before last uh, that we've been worked out. You know, and I think as Gav rightly says so much emphasis is placed on our two wide players. You know, there are other teams, the one across from the park for many years, had a fairly functional midfield. and They didn't score many goals from midfield. And obviously, we're blessed with two brilliant fullbacks, which I think we've got good fullbacks. You know, I think Coleman's done well since he's come back in. McLanko's solid, but they're not particularly attacking forces, are they, any of the players? So, if we don't have that creativity in the middle of the park, bar from probably a Wobbe at times, a lot of emphasis is placed on those two wide players and i think as i think we spoke on the podcast last monday they were both marked out of the game fairly well particularly good against united and gray you know i i, I really like gray i probably I, he's the, he's one of the one everton players i really really enjoy seeing because i think he's so graceful with the ball he's two-footed he's he's exciting but What really lets him down is his end product, you know, like this, even when he has quiet games like he had on Saturday, he still creates something. And I think that's the reason why Lampard starts with him more often than not and quite often finishes the game with him. You know, we've seen quite often that it's Gordon who gets hooked uh, when there's made a change, but it's it's his end product. You know, it's it's, 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 it's not desperate, but, you know, for a player of his quality, it should be a lot better. And I think the chance on on Saturday was, you know, was proof positive of that. Like, you really, really should have taken it, which, you know, like an because it could, it could have changed the game in the same way that Pickford's mistake changed the game. It's just difficult because, you know, yeah, we we, we probably are a bit predictable and that's why a lot of our games we're just going to try and keep it solid and nick it like we did against West Ham. Uh, because you just look at the bench and there's not many ways you can change it you know townsend's out injured mcneil is probably that best option and i think yeah at the moment his best performances have be defensive rather than offensive i just wonder i know joe thomas spoke to pie after the game didn't he? he did a couple of pieces on our site last night and this morning he kind of touched in one of them about maybe potentially playing calvert living because if we are coming a bit predictable and our wingers are out of a bit of form which is which is you know is normal is it is it maybe a chance to go to two up top because I feel for Warpie, I really do, because I think he's fed on scraps the last couple of games. Uh, and when I've seen him play for Brighton, I even think I've seen him for Brentford a few times, actually. He uh, he was in a, he, he's a He's like a link-up player. And they were obviously both very inventive teams in a way that I don't think Everton are under Lampard at the moment. He's actually a really good footballer who can link up play between good players around him. I don't think we're getting the best out of Warpah at the moment. I don't think he's a, a target man and if we're gonna continue playing like that, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe if Dom's fit enough, if not Newcastle certainly Palace at the weekend, is there a way of playing two up top or maybe playing more pie in a more, more withdrawn role? Because yeah, you, you've you probably got a, a, a point, Connor, I think certainly the last couple of games we, we look like we've been uh, we have we have looked predictable.
1: We are going to come on to Calvert-Luna and Maupé playing together. But B, I just wants to ask you, because you've obviously seen a lot of the Blues this season. Enjoy the a game to all away, in in the flesh and live. And Michael Ball touched on this in his column in the mm-hmm. last week, where he said, now the pressure's on Frank to come up with different ways and different mm-hmm. tactics to, to, to make this team kind of more a threat, basically. You know, he, he's had his kind of excuses last season for mm-hmm. trying to stay up this season with the injuries and more and more new people in. That's the big challenge now for Frank Lampard. He's got to come up with a plan B. Has got up with some sort of way in which everything can change up and not become that predictable, easy to play against side.
0: Yeah, well, I suppose he has done that. In the end, um, we started this the season with the, the 3 4 3, switched that to the 4 3 3 now. And as, as Paul's just been saying, there maybe is a chance to go with, with two up top. I mean, Calvert Lewin played with a, a partner, I mean, a generation ago, it was de regard that uh, everyone played with two up top, and it was often a big man, small man like Mopay and Calvert Lewin would be, you know, you'd have that target man, you'd have those smaller, more mobile man alongside him and everyone played like that. But it you know, since like um last sort of decade and a half or whatever, you know you, you seldom see that. But Everton have played that way in recent years. Calvert Lewin's had Richarlison alongside him. And to be fair, I was looking at Mopay last season at Brighton. He often had a strike partner alongside him and the various formations. Because, of course, Graham Potter play all kinds of formations, but a lot of them did incorporate two strikers in there. So, yeah, that definitely could be a way to go and sort of utilize them. If, the, if there is so few goals coming through in other areas of the team, trying to find a way to get two strikers onto the pitch. I think Frank Lampard's always wanted to do that. He is a tactically versatile coach. It's just what it's the tools he's got at his disposal when he first came into the club. You know, he's struggling to get two central midfielders onto the pitch they their mind, free. and the fact that now there's actually quite a few options in that area, you know, that's because of the reinforcements he's brought in. You know, we're actually looking for a way of how do you actually uh, bring James Garner into the team, because it seems very obvious that they want to do that. They've been talking him up in recent weeks, both Lampard and um, the rest of his, his staff. They Paul see yeah, as well, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, there's it, it, got to be a ways over a season that, you know, you can mix it up. You can't. I say, become too predictable, and I certainly think that there are options in that respect for Everton. And it, and, it, and it could be good to get the two of them on the pitch, certainly, sometimes.
1: The Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, do you almost think, though, in a way, that given the midfield options Frank Lampard gets, has got his disposal, he's against playing two centre fours because that means he's got to take one out of the team, and he's already got, you know three or four on the bench most weeks. Do you think that it's just where the squad is, is is kind of almost made up. Yeah, it, yeah,
2: yeah, made so way way way, play, yeah, yeah. So in other you play yeah Yeah. So in other words, like we play four four two, so we lose. you got gonna lose one of the midfielders then. The, midfielders, you? Midfielders, <laughs> yeah. the other the other alternative is you play three five two. You play three at the back and play five across the the middle with two wing backs and three midfielders. So that that's that's one of your options there, isn't it, really? And and I think I think that that would still. I mean, because if you play Cavaloon up front, you need to serve a smart wide, don't you? Mm. And I think that's 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 essential. There's, there's, I mean, w- one of the options I thought about is is you have like play that like that classic three four three, but you actually have like two two central midfielders and in front of them two other midfielders, you know, and then a striker, and then two two people out wide. So, um, yeah, I, I think if he did that, we'd have to go straight at <laughs> the I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking think if he went three at the black, he'd play Michalenko, wouldn't he really? As a, as, as a left, left side, left side, the centre half. I'm, I'm increasingly convinced that he's going to be more of a centre half than a full back, given his characteristics. Um, and I think, um, I think that, that could work. Definitely. um, and your wide men would be there, Do you know. I mean, that, that, that's the point, isn't it? Really, it's all right saying that I would keep the three, three midfielders. Well, who's your drop? We went three five two. You probably have to have McNeil there's probably wide he's more defensive, he's
1: more probably capable of doing the both sides of the role, yeah. Isn't he yeah, match.
2: yeah, <laughs> McNeil. And but uh, that's the new you have wise right. Well, you'd have Patterson, wouldn't you?
1: If it, yes, yeah,
2: which means there's no place in the team for, for Gray and no placing the team for Gordon so you, you you in that system you've got to choose having a lose a midfielder or use a or lose a lose two wide man really <laughs> I, I I go three five two I don't think four, four two is work with uh with with our resources and uh, I I definitely go I definitely go three five two I think you can make that work
1: is two centre centre-fours, or something that you'd like to see though, Gav, moving forwards? You know, well, we said you said, it, said it, that, didn't we? It? It's it, 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 it almost taking the game to the opposition a little bit more than having the one, up, having two up there, going to occupy them, and it almost does it take the game to the opposition
2: a little bit more than what we've what we've seen so far. Yeah, I, I think Bees has just said, hasn't he? You know, not necessarily every game, but certainly some games, definitely, Um, because we're just not posing an an, an, an attack and threat, and I think. You've just spoken about there, haven't you, about us being easy to play against because Frank has really got no plan B or imagination, perhaps, which is quite understandable certainly in terms of imagination because I think he just wants to keep things solid and consistent. But that is a way of mixing it up, isn't it? I think. But we, we've got to um got to pick and choose, pick and choose our games, really. And I think they definitely would would be an option. I mean, I don't know whether you want to talk about Calvert Lewin now, but I think his fitness is just a concern for me. Connor, I just.
1: Well, we, you, we, are, we, we you, you can because we were going to talk on that next. Because okay, again, well, we'll talk about
2: that next. It, but but in terms, yeah, going back to this question, three, five, two, definitely. I think that we. I think that would be a viable alternative.
1: We we'll on on there, but Calvert Lewin, it, it's a big conundrum, isn't it? Because. You know, the the question still lingers on, when is he going to start a match? When is he going to be more than, you know, an off-the-bench player? Because, you know, he's been back in the squad now for a couple of weeks. You know, he's been training for a a long time. You know, surely Frank Lampard has got to just roll the dice and get him back out there. And and there's no better time to start than Wednesday night at St. James's Park.
3: Well, yeah, you'd say that. But I thought his comments were quite interesting on Friday, weren't they? They kind of... Suggested that you know he wasn't fully training.
0: Would that be fair to say, Bees? You know, I think he, yeah, was, he wasn't in fully involved in every session, was he?
1: But is that yeah. not a word nobody alone? <laughs> that
3: well, that's what know? I mean. That's what I mean. That that to me sounds like they're the nursing him through the week to a certain extent to get him ready for match days. Uh and like that's not a good position to be in when he's your, your main centre forward, but which to me suggests that. Is anything going to have happened so much over the four or five days? What, maybe probably two, three training days tops since you know, since Spurs to Newcastle on Wednesday to suggest that he'll start? Uh, you know, you could probably want, because this, as Gav touched on earlier, there's such an important run of games after Newcastle, isn't there, before the, the World Cup break, which, you know, it, I don't think he'll decide that season. Far from it, but he'll certainly shape how we're going into the you know the second half of the season after the after the World Cup comes back, I could probably understand if Frank was to bear on the side of the caution again for Wednesday and kept him on the bench if there are fitness difficulties. But if, if we go to Newcastle and not being pessimistic, lose, which, let's face it, they only lost one game all season, Newcastle, they're very, very hard to break down. They look a really solid, good football team now, Newcastle. It wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if we lost there. That would put pressure on the Palace game certainly on Saturday, and then who is it was after that? Fulham, Leicester, Bournemouth. And if he doesn't start on Wednesday, he's surely got to start on Saturday because Everton need him now. You know, like we've talked about, a lack of creativity in this team. <clears throat> but and putting calvert Lane in wouldn't solve all those issues far from it because you still need creative players. But he would give some if you know he would give someone to aim for in the box. And there's been a couple of things certainly against United one or two things against Tottenham that suggested that he will make a big difference when he is fully fit. But, yeah, it, it, it is concerning because he's clearly... They can't... They can't on him to start just yet. Hopefully that changes over the, the course of the next few days.
1: He's, in terms of up lewin then, because it almost feels to me a little bit like patience has run out from having supporters with him a little bit because, you know, most accepted why he wasn't involved against West Ham. Mm-hmm. Most then kind of took on the chin why he wasn't involved against Southampton. Understand that he's there on the bench against Man United, but now you know we're a couple of weeks down the line, and you know he's still coming off the bench for little cameos you know, 20 20 odd minute cameos. You know, a lot of fans are just kind of saying, Well, get him out there if he's, he's either fit or he's not fit. And like we all said, you know, when he gets fully fit, if he's not fully fit, then there's something seriously wrong, isn't he? Um,
0: uh, we've got to trust Frank Lampard as frustrating as it is for all of us, he's not fit and firing, and there are those question marks compared to. Calvert-Lewin, the way he was such a durable player only a couple of years ago. Um, also, we can't have the Everton team being picked by um, so, you know, some random lads on Twitter. Um, sure? uh, yeah, yeah. no, 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 it, no, you know. No, no, no matter what sort of <laughs> sense of importance that social media platform has given them, um, Frank Lampard, who sees Dominic Calvert-Lewin on a day-to-day basis at Finch Farm, um, is in a much greater position than you or I or any of them. And it's frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating for all of us. You know, we want him to be out there, We want him to be out, fit and firing. But now you've got to go. with... The manager has almost quite selflessly at times gone with the the long term strategy. You know, uh, you know, uh, if he, he could have like, chucked him out there against West Ham when he still wasn't without a win this season, said, "Come on, Dom, I need you today." But now he's he's always taking the bigger picture, even if that's you know sort of counted against him on a short term basis so yeah we are all frustrated and we want to see him out there until he does have a run of games where he is starting that will always naturally continue but now i don't i don't think that we should be be be, uh picking it because you know whatever um gaz (laughs) or Daz or um complaining that um dom's not starting and i know that's not disrespecting the supporters in any way but you know all of us and that includes you and i as, as journalists as well you know we've got to trust the manager's judgment on these issues?
1: Trust Frank Lampard, is the the message there from Chris Beasley. Gav, you've already said that you're a little bit concerned about what's going on with Calvert-Loon, but I think it's one of them, isn't it, the minute where everyone is right to have some sort of concern because, you know, ultimately this is Everton's most prolific center forward at the club and one of the most important players who's not playing or playing,
2: you know, to play from the start. Yeah, yeah. Did you say won there as well, Chris? No, no, <laughs> actually, yeah, it, was a, it
0: was Gaz, wasn't it? it wasn't Gaz?
2: Yeah, very, very disappointing. Yeah, I, I'm going to say I'm a bit concerned. Is and I'm not concerned that we're being, you know, told porkies or anything like that. Mm. It's, it, I, it, it goes back to Frank saying, was it before the West Ham game that we're not going to play him or he may play, but we want to leave him for the international break and. Blame, you know, available against Southampton, and and he wasn't available then. And we we're thinking maybe it's a bit worse his condition, what, what's You know, perhaps he's not developed as you know into his fitness as what he should have done. And then it's just been telling in the last two games. We've been trailing, He's gone on for what 15 minutes against United, and something similar against Spurs, maybe. Yeah, you
1: know, fifteen twenty. Yeah,
2: up I would have expected them to have been given half an hour, at least in both matches, given Frank's comments a month ago. So I think maybe his rehabilitation has not gone as smoothly as what they expect. And I'm fully, I think he, was it now, to the World Cup, four months? Four, four months? I'm, I'm oh, way. Way. It a, yeah, it was a month at the yeah, weekend. Yeah. Last game, yeah. If it was four months away, it would be in July, wouldn't it, yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, you know, um, sunning ourselves, but... I suspect he's just going to be a bit part player between now and the World Cup, coming on every now and again. I don't think Frank will, will risk him. Uh, I think I think he'll use this as part of his rehabilitation and then work on his fitness over the uh, over the four four or five week periods of the World Cup and pray that he, he comes back in in late December. Far more fit than what he appears to be at the moment in terms of the amount of game time that he's been given, which has been limited. As you say, by and large, I'd only threat. I'm mean, getting beat by a goal in two matches and he doesn't really come on. You know, and that, that's, that's a concern for me. So he's obviously not... His, his rehabilitation has not gone as, as well as perhaps Frank thought it would have done four or five weeks ago.
0: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool
1: Echo. The Blues have the chance to put things right on Wednesday nights. you think the trip to Newcastle. But having lost back to back games, there's probably no tougher place to go right now, is it than St James's Park. Bees, I'll move to you. You'll be at St James's Park on Wednesday for the Echo mm. alongside Joe Thomas. Yeah. And like I just said to be low there, it's probably one of the last places Frank Lampard must be heading doesn't have to consecutive defeats.
0: Yeah, it was always going to be a tough one having these back to back away fixtures in the space of half a week. But the but, games, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but um I would certainly go in there with more encouragement than Tottenham. Tottenham has always been a very difficult ground for Everton to go to and uh, Everton's suffered had a mixed bag against Newcastle over the years. Yes, this is probably one of the toughest times to, to play them to, on the crest of the wave, aren't they? after the takeover, just at the first anniversary of that. As we've seen ourselves at Everton, it doesn't always lead to a, a guarantee of, of success, but they're certainly in a position where they can spend quite a lot of money and already, already um, have, have done... Um, it sort of goes without saying, but I think a key element would be trying to keep their, their crowd um, quiet early on. I mean, if they could get their tails up, very difficult place to go to, very, very noisy. But um, if, if Everton can contain, similar to what they did to Tottenham for for, for a, a, almost an hour, um, then, you, you know, you think that there's Everton do have a, a chance going into that fixture
1: we'll always thankfully back with us <laughs> but we will yeah. no carry on your point you're going to make about newcastle there before you were uh, the, the the technology demons got in the way
3: yeah let's hope our performance is better than my internet like, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah no i was just saying i'm not
3: a huge fan of newcastle never was and you know certainly question marks over the ownership and all that but you know you know good begrud, begrudgingly i think they're doing quite well aren't they it's almost like They've looked at Everton, for example, after coming into wealth and actually not making the same mistakes we certainly made, you know, under Coombe and Walsh kind of thing. They've been run quite, they've spent big money this summer, haven't they? But, you know, all the signings seem to be well thought out, you know, and they, they just, you look at the team and even without someone as St. Maximin, who was absolutely unbelievable against us last season, wasn't he at their place? Uh, they're a really solid outfit with some top players, certainly Guimarães in midfield. Uh, I think, it's a, I think it's a really tough game on Wednesday night, you know, under the lights at St. James's, you know, good result for them at the weekend. Not exactly ripping up trees, are they? You know, they're not... I know, they want, I know they had a comfortable home win over Brentford recently, but they've been, you know, not dissimilar to us in the respect. Like, most of their games have been tight, not many goals in them. Uh, but, yeah, it's a re- I think this is another real test of our character. And I'd be really interested to see what Frank does on Wednesday, because I wonder if he's, you know... Will he try and repeat the, the formula that did work for an hour at Spurs, or does uh, does he have to kind of change it as we've been talking about on there on today's pod, really, because on the back of two defeats, uh, you you don't want a third one on Wednesday, however, understandable, because it just does put that pressure on to, to go into the, the to the palace game on Saturday. But no, I think it's I think it's gonna be a tough night. I think we're gonna have to really be on our game, really.
1: will touched on it there in terms of changes. Do you expect change or do you think it would be more of a case of what we've seen so far this season, given the opposition and given what Everton are going to come up against in terms of the atmosphere and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, uh, possibly not. I mean, the only... I think it's, it's Gordon back, I think, for...
1: Gordon's available, yeah. Gordon's
2: available, Is need One game. Possibly... possibly. Maybe Gordon for Gray, maybe. Um... You know, so maybe Gordon will come in for Gray or maybe McNeil, perhaps. And I'd like to see James Garner being given a start, really, ahead of a Garner guy. Uh, but I suspect that might be the wrong game to do it on, on Wednesday. That might be, say, against Palace. So I I, I think, let's face we haven't got many options, but Gordon for one of Gray or McNeil will, will possibly be the change that, I could see Frank making if he was going to make one. He might just stay keep the same team. But can you expect any expect any change from Frank Lampard?
0: I mean, it could be the one with in the midweek fixture, but like you're saying it could be difficult to say just how you're going to implement. Then it might just be a case of um, fresh legs. I know obviously um, Mason Holgate was uh, was. Sort of coming back into contention last week, so you've got to wonder. With it being a midweek game, you know, Shane was Coleman is 34 years of age now. As much as he's ultra fit, would you possibly put Holgate in at right back for a midweek month? Maybe. Um I think it'd be, it'd be more of, um, like I said, the fact that it's two games in a week rather than sort of major tactical switches. Obviously, Gordon comes into the back into the picture, but just wonder. I wonder if you give him the kick up the backside if you did keep him on the bench for, for another game and maybe see the best out of him there. may maybe sort of showing that. You know, he's not been on his, his top form of late.
1: Right, gents, before we finish, you know what's to come? Position time. Willow, start with you. What, what are you thinking for Wednesday night? I don't think there'll
3: be many goals. I think we won't be as open as we were last season when I think it was three one going on six one, wasn't it? Uh <laughs> and that,
1: that, standard M away performance that last
3: year, Willow. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? I think it was a, like yeah, the other Tottenham game. So like that I know Chris and Joe wrote it after the game. It was it's hard when you've lost two 0 and you've kind of gone down, not without a fight, but it was pretty limp, wasn't it? The last twenty minutes, kind of thing. You definitely seen an improvement in how solid we were going to Tottenham. It was it was not like last season at all, and I'd be very disappointed and surprised if that was if it was a similar on Wednesday against Newcastle. So not many goals, but try and stay positive
1: I'm going to say one one. Gav, about yourself. Uh,
2: this out, um, not many goals. I'm going to go i want to go with a drab goalless, <laughs> goalless draw which is what you want Chris in the midweek game in Newcastle yeah. <laughs> over, isn't it for Wednesday night yeah, wins <laughs> coming in off the air the North Sea yeah unfortunately we'll have a Leighton Baines free kick to uh to, to see with me but yeah yeah I think they're okay Newcastle but the they're not they're not there yet are they, in terms of challenging um but yeah Goal draw, for me would be a very, very decent result. Bees, you you going to you follow on the, uh, the draw trend? Um, or? Yeah, I'm
0: going to be positive and, and, and it's relatively positive in taking a draw. I mean, I've gone up to Newcastle in the past, I've seen Ross Barkley score that amazing goal that very few players could have scored. I've also seen Everton go from being 2-0 up to lose 3-2 and um, well, Jordan Pickford's more um, eventful afternoons. But yeah, uh, hopefully it won't be quite as much drama as that and I'd settle for one wall as Paul said.
1: Well, as this is the Royal Blue podcast, <laughs> and, and I know we are all Everton supporters, someone's got to have some proper optimism. I'm going to vote a 1-0 win for the Blues yeah. with Anthony Gold getting the goal. There we go. So
2: Just that just, just add in here, um, Newcastle away, of course, can... The greatest game I've ever seen was uh, Boxing Day 1986, New- Newcastle 0-11 for the best um, best display under Howard Kendall, um, certainly in his first as manager, whilst I was um, on the Pennines after the car broke down on the way to <laughs> 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 some- ended up in some wacky, wacky place off the A1, then hiking into Leeds. Uh, to get a train home and of course the one thing on boxing day there are no trains running oh. yeah it was a long day <laughs> so you're saying
0: that's the best performance you never saw from everton yeah
2: yeah yeah four so, nil yeah. Right. yeah best thing ever chris i phoned my dad up and said how did we get on and then they said to me, dad he goes to be great with me today it was fantastic but dad's i'm in leeds you went <laughs> the me one yes. four nil i'm like you know when it just felt no <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you say it was nil-nil or one <laughs> were fantastic? You won four nil and there am I and me and my mate's on the Pennines in, in like imagine the Pennines in the end of December. It's not exactly the uh height of summer, is it? Yeah. And the like, like,
0: American werewolf in London. That's yeah, well, really
2: just four <laughs> seasons in one day, and every time Newcastle away comes up, that is uh, that's the first story I always think of nightmare.
1: Hopefully we do make it. Well, no, I, I think, think Bees will be dancing on the time I think. If Everton get a 4 0 win on Wednesday night, I think yeah. be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll be doing the combo around the street to Newcastle if if Aye. the Blues just come away 4 0 victors. But lads, we will leave it there. I think we've we've chewed the fast enough over all things, Everton. We, of course, will be back on Friday to look back on Everton's game against Newcastle United on Wednesday night. And, of course, look ahead to Saturday's huge game against Crystal Palace at Gunderson Park as Everton return home for the first time in a couple of games. But for today, lads, thanks very much for joining me. You've been listening to the Roll Big Podcast.